You can't handle the truth. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> You're gonna need a bigger boat. Get away from her, you bitch! The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. To infinity and beyond! Hey, motherfucker. Hello and welcome to the second annual Sampa's The Samuel and Manual Podcast Awards. I am one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I am your other host, Manny Manual. <laughs> oh, it is, it is going to be an exciting one today. We are, uh, like I said, going to be covering our uh, all sorts of fun awards from last year. Everything from... You know, the favorite movie to our least favorite movie to the best villain and a whole lot of other creative and wacky stuff in the middle. We're going to have a blast, as we always do. It is also <laughs> currently late, and I'm running low on caffeine, so I'm trying to feign a lot of excitement to get myself in this hyped-up mindset. Manny, how are you feeling tonight? I am feeling super tired because it is indeed late, and I am old. Yeah, me as well. I'm also just going to try to post this on Instagram real quick because I did just uh, take a video and I'm really slow at posting. So why don't you tell the people uh, where they can find us on social media and I will take care of this. Excellent (laughs) idea. So please, everyone remember to like, rate, and review us on iTunes. If you leave us a five-star rating, it will increase our profile and allow other people to find our podcast, which will really help us out. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sam underscore Matt underscore movie we seem to be getting more and more followers on instagram which is funny there are other podcasts so ignore those podcasts and listen to our podcast please uh and you can also email us at sam manny movie podcast at gmail.com sam before we dive into the sampas there was this other award show not quite as prestigious as the sampas not, not quite as important uh, no no, it's, it's named. It's like the. It's named after a guy. It's like the Tonys or something. No, that's not. That's no. a different one. That's a no. different one. Yeah. And what was it? Was, it? It's, it was named after this green guy that's uh, not very happy all the time. The Oscars. Uh, the Hulk. Oh, yes. sorry, Oscars. No. The Oscars. Uh, I. Uh, there was a lot of problems uh, heading into the Oscars. The Academy made a lot of missteps throughout the year. Um, Yes, it, it, it turns out that everyone who they wanted to host was either racist or homophobic or uh, transphobic or Islamophobic or, I don't know, arachnophobic. It does, there was some sort of issue with, uh, with every, everyone they wanted to host, so we went hostless and just a variety of other issues. I think you were about to touch on uh, the different categories they were going to include and didn't include. And... Yeah. The Oscars were kind of a shit show this year. They really were, and it really broke my heart um, because for me, this is this is my Super Bowl. Um, the Oscars are, are my big night of the year, and uh, this year was a little bit of a letdown. I won't lie. Uh, without the host, uh, I was worried as to how it was going to go. It actually moved along quite well without the host. They did have uh, a voice of God. Uh, someone that just kind of moved the show along and introduced people. Uh, it was a female voice, but she's been on the show, I think, numerous times before. Uh, she does great work. Um, the I guess the like the opening monologue with uh, Tina Fey 
Um, Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph. Yeah, um, was good. Th- those three have a really good chemistry, and it was entertaining. Um, but they kept saying it wasn't the opening monologue because there are no hosts. So that was a nice little, a nice little touch. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was talking with somebody earlier today, and they're not a big movie fan. And I, we were talking about the Oscars, and I asked them, I'm like, what could the Oscars do that would make you watch them, where you would sit down and watch them live? I'm like, if they got the show down to 90 minutes, would that make you tune in? And he said, maybe. And I said, precisely. They can't, I don't care if the show runs longer than three hours. I, I personally think the Oscars needs to embrace the people that are going to be watching it regardless. The Oscars for me are a celebration of the film industry. So celebrate film. Don't try and tone it down. Don't try to, you know, when they're going to give out like four awards during the commercial breaks. I'm like, that's disgusting. I'm like, allow the show to be what it is. It's a celebration of film. If it runs longer than three hours, so be it. Allow those moments to happen. The people that love movies are going to watch. The people that aren't, fans of the Oscars or award shows, there's literally nothing you can do that is going to get them to watch it. Yeah. Who, who was it who, uh, who was presenting the cinematography award who said something like, I'm proud to be presenting you this award uh, on air, not on commercial break. Was it uh, Jordan Peele? Yeah, it was. I think it was it Jordan Peele. It might've been. Yeah. I, I can't remember, honestly. Oh but... no, it was uh, Tyler Perry. Oh, that's racist. Yeah, I know. My bad. <laughs> Can't believe you just did that. Um, yeah, I, I loved, I loved that that little shot. Uh, it was great. But um, one of the things I missed this year is uh, in previous years they always have, and I understand why they cut it out for the reasons that they're trying to streamline the show. But for me, the Oscars is a ch- a chance to celebrate movies and the movie industry. So there wasn't any, there was no montages of film there's no montages celebrating the love of movies there was none of those things and it I, it was sorely missed like the only montage they had and they as they should every year is the in memoriam but there was no it was literally just a show of them giving out awards there was no feel to the show there was no flow to the show there was no theme to the show and it was sorely missed and and i i really hope that they take a look at this year and they just kind of embrace what they are it's supposed to be like i I, and i've said it numerous times already it's a celebration of movies so celebrate them movies movies run long i i i know i'm speaking from somebody that's a film freak so i don't care if the oscars run long i'm not sitting there looking at my watch wondering when it's going to be over i want to i want this night to be special I want this night to be great, and I want them to really embrace the love of movies. That's I, my opinion. I actually did like your analogy with it being like the Super Bowl, because when you think about it, I mean, to a lesser extent, because the Super Bowl is obviously massive, but and so I guess so are the Oscars, but people have parties for the Oscars. People make full-day events out of it. People will make predictions. People will make bets. It's, you know, a who's who is always in attendance. Uh, and it's always a big dramatic moment and you have your your winners and your losers. It, it's an event that's very similar in scope and in importance to the Super Bowl 
at least as far as the film industry goes, the most important night of the year. So yeah, why why try to tone that down? There's if if you have no problem sitting through the three-hour movies that are going to be up for these awards, why would you have a problem with sitting through a three-hour ceremony awarding them? It, it makes no sense to me. So yeah, I'm I'm totally on the same page. Yeah, I also think that. <clears throat> I think the people of the Academy and probably the people at ABC that that host the that are uh, broadcasting the Oscar show, I I don't think that they fully understand the difference of today to even 20 years ago. For people my age and older, um, you didn't get to until social media came along. You didn't really get to see stars all the time. Nowadays, like I like if I could if I want to know what Brad Pitt's doing right now. I'll look on his Twitter account, and I'll find out that he's out grocery shopping with his kids. <laughs> Before that, like when the when the Oscars came on, you were just like you're like look at all these stars in the same room. This is amazing. But now because of social media with Twitter and Instagram, we're always in constant contact with all these celebrities, and so yeah. the the significance or the the draw of the Oscars of having them all together for one night has been lessened because of that. And that's why you should make a spectacle of this evening. Don't just zip through it. If you want to just zip through it and you just want to hand out the awards and have someone talk for a bit, fuck, live tweet it then and get the fuck out of the way. Yeah. But, like, embrace what the Oscars are. That's my opinion. No, I, I agree with you. Another problem, I think, the whole... uh the whole best popular movie thing they were going to uh, they were going to include, in my opinion. So, so for those of you who don't know, uh, some months ago the Oscars announced that they were going to have another category this year. They were going to call it best popular film or achievement in popular film or something like that. And it was basically just going to be like a separate best picture category for superhero movies, from what I could gather, or just for for top grossing movies. So it was going to be like your Black Panther, Infinity War. You know, all, all those sorts of movies, Star Wars and, and all that jazz. And in my opinion, that's just an insult to filmmakers. Like that's, a, that's an insult to the people making these movies. Like, oh, you're not actually good enough to win this real award, but why don't we make this little separate award just for you and you can, you can like, Infinity War made $2 billion. Like, who, do you think they fucking care they weren't nominated for Best Picture? Yeah. Infinity War made $2 billion dollars do they need do they need an oscar they've got two billion dollars like i i I didn't get it and like what's the criteria like do you have to cross a hundred million to make the the most popular best popular feature like what what's the criteria and they never announced the criteria and so i was interested but i hated the idea of that yeah so unsurprisingly the internet did what it did best which is losing its shit and the Oscars uh, said, haha, J- JK, just kidding, we're not actually going to do that award. That's a stupid idea. Uh, so, yeah, I guess all's well that ends well. But they're, they're just trying all these ideas to, to gain viewership. And <laughs> I, if viewership is a problem for them, I, I guess that's, that's shitty. But, and I don't exactly have the answers to fix it, other than what you said, just catering to the people who actually want to watch but I can tell you that best popular film or achievement in popular film and then just cutting the runtime in half isn't the answer. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, now that I'm done bitching about one of my favorite nights of the year. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, <laughs> you could have fooled me. Did you make, do you make predictions every year, Sam? 
Um, I kind of had predictions. I, I mostly just had things that I wanted to win. I, I kind of jotted some stuff down. I didn't do every category. Like, I didn't do, like, hair and makeup and stuff like that. But I, I, I jotted some stuff down. I, I always do predictions, and this was... And, like, I, I think I might have mentioned to you, or I'm not sure, but I said, I'm like, if I was over 500, I'll be impressed. And this yeah. was hands down the worst I've done in over a decade. How'd you do? I 14 for 24. It's not great. No, no. <laughs> like, I think last year I went 20 for 24, and usually the one, like, I, you know, whatever, I, I, I'm going to, you know, flex my cinematic muscles here. Usually the only ones I get wrong are, like, live action short film best animated short film those are ones i usually get wrong which of course i i got wrong again this year i nailed those obviously 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 um but yeah i really i really uh i really got a lot wrong this year um but uh and then a lot of the ones that i wanted to win definitely didn't win much to my dismay Um, like what for example I fucking did not want Remy Malik to win. <laughs> I know you didn't, but he was always going to. Ah, fuck that. Did you, did you predict that he was going to? Nope. Oh, I, I got that one. I even, I even, I, I didn't even, even though I was pretty sure he was going to, I'm like, I don't want to predict it. <laughs> That's how Oscar predictions work. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I think we, did we talk about this last week? I can't remember. I said, I I'm like, I need to rewatch that movie. I don't. I don't think we did, but you did text me. Uh, you said I. I must have missed something. I, so I you th- need to rewatch it. But... I think I need to rewatch it. But I like. I've been really thinking about it. Like, I. I. I don't know why I have like such a hatred for this movie, but I think the re. I think one of the reasons I didn't like it so much is that when I saw it, I did a double feature. Literally right before I watched Bohemian Rhapsody, I. I watched A Star Is Born for the second time. So I went to yeah. A Star is Born, and then I went and saw Bohemian Rhapsody. And those two movies are so different because A Star is Born is so fucking good. So uh, Bohemian Rhapsody obviously won for – I can't remember which globe it was. It should have been Best Drama, but for some reason I feel like it was Best Comedy or Musical uh, at the Golden Globes that it won for. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have to look that up. But do you know what it's sitting at at Metacritic right now? I'm looking at the number right now. Isn't it like 58? It's it was fifty eight. It's currently forty nine on Metacritic, <laughs> and it won at the Golden Globes. So, respectfully, I know you feel like you probably missed something. And hey, I don't. I didn't dislike this movie nearly as much as you did, in my opinion. But I don't think you're missing anything. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I still. I. I still. I, I still feel that I maybe I should rewatch it. Maybe you should. And hey, like again. I think if this movie wasn't nominated for Best Picture, I would have liked it a lot more. I, it's just it's just not good enough. It's not good enough to be a Best Picture nominee, in my opinion. I agree. But, okay. Yeah. Well, we've been really shitting all over it, so let's 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 dive into the Oscars and some stuff. Yes. Um, let's see. I'm just kind of quickly looking over my notes. Um, when I can't remember the name of the person that that came out with her, but Melissa McCarthy came out with somebody to uh, present uh, Best. Uh, makeup and costume design and she had a little puppet on her hand it was fucking hilarious yeah that was great (laughs) goddamn hilarious um the excitement for black panther winning for uh production design was awesome Um, i think that was a totally deserved award uh the only other one i thought maybe beating it was uh was the favorite but 
you know, I definitely didn't dislike uh, the win there. Um, we did. Did we? I can't remember. Did we talk about that on air? Uh, but uh, Tyler Perry uh, making a jab um, at the at the Oscars for presenting best cinematography on yeah. air. Yeah, we did mention that. Great moment. Um, the um, the foreign language film Roma winning. I love that Javier Bardem came out immediately just started talking Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, I, I did love. Um, was it? Uh, I guess it was Quaron's acceptance speech for that one. He uh, he said, "Growing up, I watched a ton of foreign language films. Yes, fil- films like Jaws and Star Wars. <laughs> it was really funny." Yeah, that was well played. Um, and then, like, uh, like as as my co-host knows, uh, it was shortly after. Hold on, uh, shortly after Bette Midler's performance, um, my stream uh, through Telus cuts out, and Yikes. I scramble, and I'm trying desperately to get Telus to work. Uh, nothing I do uh, is working. Uh, Former guest and future guest, um, Rachel, was uh, FaceTiming with me and pointing her phone at the TV so I could kind of watch as I tried to fix this problem. That's a friend. That's That's a a good friend friend right right there. there. That's a great (laughs) friend. Rachel, I love you. (laughs) And she did such a great job. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, as, as Sam knows, Sam and I were texting, trying, and I'm whining and complaining. His, I'm sorry, was it, was it Jordan or Emma? It was Jordan. Jordan. Jordan, future guest Jordan, mm. uh, allows me to use her. Oh, s- you, oh. you know what? I was with Jordan, but oh. it was actually my boss, Letitia, who oh. was uh, who was trying to allow you to use her uh, her, her streaming service, okay. that, her streaming account that she so has. So Letitia was kind enough to give me her login information for Shaw so I could try and use Shaw's online, but we could not get the password to work. No. I My throat, hoarse from yelling the word fuck so loudly <laughs> and often. Oh. So finally, desperate... To get back onto the show, Manny finds an illegal stream. And he, <laughs> he caves. He, he I, caves. I gave in to the illegal stream because I could not stand missing the Oscar. So I, I, the person that hates pirating goes on, finds an illegal stream, live stream of the Oscars. And I'm thankful I did because literally seconds after I log in and start watching it, easily the highlight of the show begins, and that's the performance of Shallow by Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. I want to spend a little bit of time on this because this is the first time that I can ever recall them using this kind of camera work for a performance on stage. Yeah, The camera was on the stage looking out at the crowd and close-ups of Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. This was this was filmed really intimately and it, it was, was it was very very cinematic. It was. It was so incredibly well done. And this this was probably the biggest and the easiest one to predict was this winning best song. Like this was Yeah, that was that was a layup. This was a juggernaut and they hit it out of the park. Um, uh, this was 
hands down the highlight of the show for me. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad that I got to see it. Um, once again, uh, original screenplay is given to the wrong film as Green Book uh, triumphs over the favorite. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the Green Book. It made my top ten. But come on, the dialogue and the wit in the favorite is easily better than Green Book. Um, hold on, I'm just trying to find, trying to scroll through and find the uh, find the categories. But yeah, Green Book winning for best original screenplay. I was trying to I was trying to recall what had won uh, best adapted screenplay because that was uh, that was of course uh, Spike Lee. But I guess we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about that when it t- t- comes time to it. Yeah, that's well, that's the next one. <laughs> Oh, uh, Spike Lee winning uh, for Black Klansman. That was a nice moment for him. I liked that win for sure. I didn't see. I only saw three of the five in that category. So I saw Black Klansman, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and A Star Is Born. Didn't see Can You Ever Forgive Me and If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, but yeah, of the three that I saw, I think that was a clear win. Yeah, that that that's a, it, it's a it was a really great film with a really great uh, a really great screenplay. Um, <laughs> I, I love all of the. That that movie's fucking hilarious. Some of my favorite lines in that movie are uh, John David Washington just going, "God bless white America." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just killed me. So good. Um, the biggest uh, the biggest surprise of the night for me and for the person that won, um, it was delicious to see Olivia Coleman win. Um, yeah. Uh, this is no knock to Glenn Close. I was. I haven't seen the wife, so I can't really comment on her performance. But I was I was starting to get worried that she was going to be her Oscar. She was going to win the Oscar, and it was going to be a we fucked up. We didn't let you win all the other times you've been nominated. Here's the makeup one for you. Yeah, this seemed like a textbook makeup award moment that that could have happened. Yes, and I really, I really love that she didn't win, and I love that Coleman did because. I thought she was spectacular in the mm-hmm. favorite and the look on her face when they announced it was genuine surprise and it was a joy to behold. Yeah. The, the acceptance speech for uh, Olivia Coleman was like the highlight of the night. Yes. Like, Oh, I'll, I'll never be back here again. It was like so self deprecating, like dry British humor. It was, uh, it was really good. Um, Obviously, Koran wins Best Director. That was another easy pick. Uh, yeah. I didn't see anybody knocking him off. Uh, and then Best Picture. Uh, this was up in the air. Uh, I did pick Green Book to win. Whoa. That's, I did not. I did. Um, it's I, not like who I... The million other people who were watching picked Roma. Yeah. I didn't think Roma was going to win. I thought that they were... they. I thought giving them giving him foreign language, cinematography and director was going to be good enough. Um I feel that the Oscar the Academy now likes to spread the wealth around. And I don't agree with that, but that's why I didn't think Roma was going to win. Um even more so after watching Roma, I just didn't feel like it was the best picture of the year. Um I've told everybody that if this was 15, 20 years ago, Green Book was hands down the best picture winner. Uh, So I kind of went with my gut. All I cared about, all I really, really wanted was to not hear the Oscar goes to Bohemian Rhapsody. 
<laughs> that's all I cared about. And I sent a, I sent a text to Sam saying, this, my night will be a living hell if A-Rod is presenting Best Picture and he announces Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. Yeah. How hard did you shake your fist at the screen, by the way, every time A-Rod was on it? It was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, slapping McPurple Lips, get off my fucking screen. Yeah. Um, I'm actually just trying to find this article from the New York Times. I'm not going to read this uh, this whole thing, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to read a little part of it if I could. Uh, so the Green Book backlash has been surreal. The internet, as I mentioned before, really loves to lose its shit at nothing. And the Oscars have been getting shat on. People have called this, like, Crash V2 in terms of, like, how bad of an Oscar uh, Best Picture win it is. I disagree. Uh, yeah, like, I, I disagree as well. I think it's a, a good movie, but this is this is the New York Times right here. Um, if I can find where to, uh, where to start. Um, the Academy couldn't resist another film in which American racism is neatly resolved through a white character's proximity to a black one. See also Crash 2004, which ranks among the worst Best Picture winners ever. If Crash were released today, would the Academy stoop to reward it? On Sunday, we got our answer. So that's that's pretty scathing. I, I think that's a pretty uh, pretty good idea of what the internet in general thinks of this win. I I don't get it. I, I don't get the hate. I thought it was a perfectly acceptable movie. I agree. Yes, it's it's a total warm and fuzzy movie, but not nearly as egregious as Crash was. Crash was dumb in its ending. It really was. Crash was very problematic. Yeah, but. You know, Green Book, yes, it, it has a very happy ending, and I don't even necessarily buy that all of, you know, it, for those of you who haven't seen Green Book, it, it, I mean, we end on Christmas with a bunch of bunch of racist Italians and this black guy having Christmas dinner together, and like, it, yes, it's totally cheesy, and I don't necessarily buy that that would happen, but like, you know, I, I it's not as bad as Crash. <laughs> if you've seen Crash, and you've seen Green Book, it is not as bad as Crash. <laughs> Crash has a ridiculous ending. Yes. Yeah. Yes, there's a lot of ridiculous going on there. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I thought Green Book was fine. It was just fine. It was, yeah. it was exactly what you said. It's a warm, fuzzy movie. I left, that, I left the movie theater feeling really good. I didn't leave the theater going, oh, my God, Hollywood solved racism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not the point. Like nobody has looked at this and been like, "God, why can't white people and black people just just like each other like they do in Green Book?" Like nobody is thinking this has just solved all of America's problems. It's just a nice movie. Yeah. I don't know. And I, hey, I get that when it's alongside Black Klansman, a movie that's a lot more uh extreme and scathing in its critique of racism in America, when it's alongside that one, it looks very tame in comparison, and I get that. But does that just mean that you hand the Oscar to Black Klansman no matter what, just because it's harsher on racists? I, like, I, I don't really see that. Green Book is just a better overall movie. You can disagree with its messaging, or you can at least think that it's cheesy, but I, in my opinion, it's a better overall movie than Black Klansman, certainly. Is it the best overall movie of that bunch? I don't know, maybe, probably not, in my opinion, but I don't hate the win. There's there Manny and I have talked about this. There wasn't really a huge standout winner, and Green Book was one of the better ones of the nominees. It was, you know, top half at least of the eight nominees. For so, sure. 
yeah, it winning isn't a huge shock to me and shouldn't be a shock to people, in my opinion. No. And it should, it's, I, it's definitely, I do not think it's going to go down as one of the worst Best Picture winners. This isn't going to go down <clears throat> as Crash or Shakespeare in Love or anything like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, whatever. I, I, like I said, I was fine with it. And maybe I'm a little biased because I actually enjoyed Green Book. So who knows? I, I, I can cop to that. I can admit to that. I enjoyed the film, so maybe I don't have such a, a seething hatred for the film as those people do. But I'm kind of... That's... I mean, what are you even saying there? You're just saying, I only didn't hate the film because I liked it. <laughs> That's basically what you're saying. Yeah. I, well, I didn't hate... I shouldn't... Oh, I didn't hate the. I didn't hate them winning because I enjoyed I the movie. Yeah. And hey, you're absolutely entitled to your opinion if you didn't like this movie. If you thought the cheese factor was way too much, you thought they should have gone a different direction with it, and you thought you know, the fact that Peter Farrelly was a director and you don't like him as a human being, you are entitled to every single one of those opinions. I just disagree. Yeah, and, and that's the beauty of art is yeah. it's all in what, what do you get out of it? What are you looking – what kind of enjoyment did you get from it? If someone watched Green Book and they're like, oh my god, I'm completely offended um, – you have every right to feel that way and I respect your opinion I just happen to disagree with it yeah for sure um, so, so that kind of wraps up the Oscar talk for me I'm really hoping that next year they get a host that the internet will shut the fuck up about whoever the host is not going to happen yeah. um, and they have some type of theme and they just embrace the the film industry for one night honestly I don't hate the fact that there was no host I, I thought it went well enough also, I'm, I'm not a huge Kevin Hart guy anyway, so I wasn't necessarily devastated that he decided not to host or he got fired or whatever it was that happened there. Mm. But overall, I mean, I, I was satisfied with the night. I think going hostless wasn't the worst thing that happened. There were some great moments, in particular, you know, the, a Star is Born performance of, uh, of Shallow and then Olivia Coleman's speech. Uh, Green Book winning Best Picture, in my opinion, uh, completely deserved. Um, yeah, it was an okay night. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the more important films, though. Yeah, uh, the most, one more important, really matters. More important awards. Uh, were we able to book any celebrities to make acceptance speeches tonight? I sent out numerous tweets. Yep. And uh, I'm still waiting to hear back. Okay. So we'll uh, hopefully hear back from uh, Mahershala Ali soon and uh, Olivia Coleman and all these uh, Oscar winners because I know uh, the prestigious second annual Sampas is about to start. Yes. I <laughs> wish that I had thought ahead and uh, inserted some awesome music here, but I did yeah. not. Yeah. Well, uh, we can throw in, like, the Dark Knight theme again or something. <laughs> no, I'd find something better. I have a couple things in mind. Maybe for next year I'll get on top of it. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe not. Who knows? Eh, who knows? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, okay, so we've decided the order in which that we're going to uh, read the categories. You'll have to remind me how we did this again last year. I don't think we talked about the order in which you and I are presenting our awards. No, what we're going to do, we're not going to – we actually have a couple new awards, and we're going to reveal them as we go along. Um, so we're not going to reveal the order that we're going to be re uh, doing our, uh, our awards this year. We have a couple new awards, and what we're going to do is some of our awards have – five nominees and a couple of our awards we're just going to announce the winner we're not going to announce our nominees uh we will be going through with the ones with nominees we will announce the category and then one of us will reveal our nominees the other one will reveal their nominees and then we'll reveal our winners that's how we'll be doing it okay sounds good all right so our first 
category, our first Sampa of the night, is a new one. It is Guilty Pleasure of the Year. Sam, why don't you start us off with your Guilty Pleasure of the Year? I'm so happy you think I should start us off because my movie is one that uh, I know you're probably going to hate me for, but it is Guilty Pleasure, so a little bit of leeway, please. All right, all right. (laughs) It's a movie that I loved the first installment in the series, and uh, this one, eh, still kind of all right. I bet you've forgotten that it came out in 2018 because it was so early in the year. That is uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. Oh, motherfuck. <laughs> it was between that and Bumblebee, but yeah. It was, oh, uh, shit! Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was so happy when you said you wanted to do this award because I knew I would get a reaction similar to that. But yeah, Pacific Rim, Pacific Rim Uprising. For those of you who don't know, the first movie directed by Oscar award-winning director Guillermo del Toro. Uh, the the second one is only produced by him, but nonetheless still has that sort of flavor. Um, but Guillermo del Toro just kills it with these sorts of, uh, these monster movies and stuff. Of course, he directed Shape of Water last year. Uh, and then Pacific Rim just does not seem like a movie that an Oscar-winning director would write. It's about just these massive aliens that start attacking different cities around the world, I think mainly Tokyo, and then humans have to build giant robots that require two pilots for some reason to fight them off, and it's such a stupid franchise. Uh, But I kind of love it. And uh, Pacific Rim Uprising 2 is the second installment in that series. It stars uh, John Boyega, uh, who you might know as Finn from uh, the new Star Wars movies. It's just fun. It's really dumb. Again, this is guilty pleasure we're talking about here. It's a really dumb movie, and I don't recommend anyone watch it, because you'll probably hate it. But the conclusion of this movie is one of these aliens, they call them kaiju, crawling up Mount Fuji to try to get inside it to... I think blow up the volcano caused by a chain reaction with his blood is a really stupid premise. And then to stop him, they weld a rocket to the hand of one of these massive robots, launch themselves into the atmosphere, and then come down and punch it in the face. That actually is a thing that somebody wrote down on a screenplay and then thought, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. It's just really dumb, over-the-top action fun. I liked it, and Manny has an expression on his face right now, like, can we please stop talking about this movie? Holy shit. Uh, so we will do just that. My guilty pleasure of the year is Pacific Rim Uprising, and nobody can tell me different. Manny, on to you. <laughs> I, Unless you have anything to say about this. I haven't uh, seen... I, I, have, I have not seen the movie, so Wait, I... Wait, you have not seen Pacific Rim Uprising? I have not, okay. so... I'll jot that down in my notes. I... Oh, shit. <laughs> So I cannot give an an educated opinion on the film. So I will it's refrain. Fair. I will refrain. It's really, saying. really dumb. Yes. Okay. Everything you said <laughs> leads me to believe that. I liked it. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's all that matters. If you went into this movie theater and you sat down and then when it was over and the credits rolled and you got up and you're like, oh, I had a good time. That's all that matters. Yeah. That's all that matters. That's the definition of guilty pleasure. I'm so glad we started with this category. <laughs> <laughs> My guilty pleasure of the year is the Netflix film Set It Up. Ooh, which I have not seen. It is a rom-com and on IMDb those are the only two tags in it. Comedy Whoa. 
and romance. Interesting. I had heard that this was actually a good movie, so I finally sat down and watched it. And this movie is infinitely better than it deserves to be. The plot? Two corporate executive assistants hatch a plan to matchmake their two bosses. And then, of course, hilarity and romance blooms. Whoa! I know. And this... <laughs> the two leads, Zoe, Do- Zoe Dutch and Glenn Powell, who I don't know. I don't... They, maybe they're famous for other things that I'm unaware of. The chem- I am unaware of them. The chemistry between them is fantastic. This script by Katie Silberman is biting and good. This movie is way better than it deserves to be. This, in my opinion, reinvigorates my hope for the rom-com. Because it's been a while since I've seen one that I really enjoyed. If anybody's looking for a nice romantic comedy, and a literal comedy, like it's, it's got some really funny moments, then please watch Set It Up. Uh, that's all. I, I'm not going to give anything else away. I don't have anything else to say. Um, the only reason this is a guilty pleasure, f- like I said, for me is it's it's also kind of like a, it was a surpri- I was surprised at how good it was. Um, and again, it's a rom com, which generally speaking, they're not that great. But this was really good. This was so good, in fact, so enjoyable. It it made my honorable mentions last week in the top ten. And it definitely had a chance of making my top ten of the year. Interesting. Yeah, yes. I might have to check this one out. I, as we know, I'm going to have to educate myself in rom-coms, as we discovered in our rom-com episode, our top five. Yeah, yes. I might have to add that one to the list. All right, on to our next category, and that is biggest disappointment of the year. Another new category at the Sampas. Since Sam led off the last time, I will lead off with the biggest disappointment of the year. Please do, sir. Now, this was hard for me. Um, I'm, I'm, I, as I'm still looking and I'm about to announce my winner, I'm actually still flip-flopping on which one I want to pick. Interesting. So I'm going to go with Solo, A Star Wars Story. Uh, just for the record, can we know the runner-up? Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. Solo, A Star Wars Story, um, was riddled with uh, production problems. For those that don't know, it was originally supposed to be directed by Lord and Miller, the duo that brought us a Lego movie. Um, they were fired, I think, about 80% into filming. Uh, Ron Howard was brought in uh, to finish things off and to... And to uh, do a lot of work to get it back to what uh, Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm wanted to do with Solo. Um, The reason this is the biggest disappointment for me, I actually watched this movie and was entertained, but the reason I'm disappointed is that it was made in the first place. That's why it's the biggest disappointment. There was no reason for Solo to be made. Part of the reason that Han Solo was such a popular and intriguing character was the mystery of the character. So, them explaining everything that he had that was mysterious about him was literally explained in this movie, and it really hurt the character in my opinion. Um, Solo, the movie itself was entertaining, but it was a disappointment that the movie was made in the first place. That's my winner for this year. 
Yeah, uh, I'm going to say right off the bat, that's actually my pick as well for biggest disappointment. Nice. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Sto- sorry, Star Wars. Uh, you you kind of made a, a, a shitty one this year. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I could see it being an okay movie if it wasn't about Han Solo. Because it, it was an okay sci-fi heist movie sort of deal. It was fine. There were some good moments. Uh, but just it's everything that you said the what it does to the solo character is really not great that's not to say this movie's without uh without some good moments i i'd say this is a bad movie with upside it it had a lot that it did have going for it i loved the chewy and han stuff that they had in there i thought that was really cool mm-hmm. um i i don't even think it's necessarily that they ruined the mystery of the character it's just that they didn't do anything interesting with it there was just so, Half of this movie was just fan service. It was just showing the fans exactly what they wanted to see and just, hey, let's throw... Remember this quote when it was said in uh, in the first Star Wars movies? Well, you're going to love it when I say it here. It, it just... The writing wasn't particularly clever, I didn't think. Uh, outside of him meeting Chewbacca and him meeting uh, Lando... Uh, by the way, Donald Glover was really good. Donald um, Glover's the highlight. Yeah. Outside of those moments... I was bored senseless by Solo. I really was. I was what trying about, to... What about the train sequence? The train robbery sequence? Train sequence is good as well. Okay, okay. I'll give you that. Train, se- train sequence is a good uh, good little action scene. But other than other than those handful of moments, like I cannot tell you for the life of me uh, what Amelia Clark's character was or what her relationship to Han Solo was. Like I, This movie was just so forgettable. It was so forgettable. And it was uh, it basically just pretty disappointing. It's not to say it's the worst movie that came out this year, but I certainly had high hopes, which I think you should for a Star Wars movie, personally. Agreed. Uh, I had I had high hopes for it and uh, didn't really come close. All right, so we, we shared our biggest disappointment of the year. So now we're going to get – those were actually the only uh... – those were the only two new categories added to the samples this year. And as before, as before, before we move on to the next category, if any of you listeners have any ideas for categories for the samples, we would love to hear them. Yes, of course. Um, so and maybe, also, you can submit uh, your own picks for them as I well. I would love we, to hear your We would picks. love to hear your picks for these awards. Yes, 100%. <laughs> so yeah. moving on to the next category, and actually, last year's winners for best male performance, Gary <gasps> Oldman and Sam Rockwell are coming out to present. Oh no way! I can't believe we got them. I know how exciting. Yeah. Um. So Gary Oldman was my winner last year. Sam Rockwell was your winner for last year. I don't remember any of this stuff. I'm so glad you looked this up. <laughs> <laughs> so flip flopping as we did before, best male performance. Sam, your nominees for this year's best male performance. Right. So, uh, I went largely with uh, the Oscars. I, I agreed with them on a lot. A couple little uh, fresh faces thrown in there, just for good measure. Uh, my top five nominees are Christian Bale as Dick Cheney in Vice, Josh Hamilton as Mark Day in 8th grade, not to be confused with the Josh Hamilton who played for the Angels and Rangers, <laughs> uh, Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. Sorry, Manny. <laughs> Nicholas Holt as Harley in The Favorite. Wow. And Mahershala Ali as Dr. Don Shirley in Green Book. Nice. The movie that solved racism. All right. 
Do, do I reveal my winner before you reveal your nominees no, then? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. All right, hold on. I actually forgot to... Uh... Ah, forget it. I'm not going to announce their characters' names because I forgot to do that part. Okay. Okay. Here are my nominees, and I'll do them the same way the Oscars do, and that's alphabetical by last name. Shit, I should have done that. I know. I think no. I almost did. I almost did. No, I definitely didn't. You definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> not even close, actually. I finished with Ali. That's not great. So my well, nominees uh, for best male performance. <laughs> there's there's a couple in here that I'm going to get some reactions for, and I'm excited. So, best male performance, 2018. Mahersha Ali for Green Book. Love it. Christian Bale for Vice. So far, so good. Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born. Don't hate it. Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay. Jesse Plemons, Game Night. I I did not watch Game Night. <laughs> did not see it, so I can't comment on that. Tom Cruise, really? Tom yes. Cruise is not funny. And Good the, for that guy. This is okay. So before we reveal our winners, uh, the reason there's obviously the first three in my list, I don't have to give any reasons for whatsoever. The reason Tom Cruise makes my list is because of the stunt work he does throughout this movie. The acting is just fine. It's Tom Cruise being Ethan Hunt. You've seen it five times before in the other Mission Impossibles. But the stunt work in this movie is so unbelievable, and knowing that he did it just elevates it for me. And the prior to today, he actually wasn't on my list, but I re-listened to our last year's Sampas, and Charlize Theron made my list for Atomic Blonde because of doing exactly what Tom Cruise did in this one, so I had to put him in there. And also because she's Charlize Theron. Yes, and I'm in love with her. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse Plemons was kind of a... I've, I've, he is the highlight of Game Night, which is a really great comedy. Um, his performance is so completely different from anything else i've ever seen in a long time he's the highlight of the movie in a movie that has a lot of highlights but he is the standout in the movie and i just wanted to really acknowledge him i didn't feel honestly in my opinion uh mahershala bale and cooper's performance were some of the best acting of the year the other nominees um for the oscars and stuff i thought were just fine but there wasn't Again, it, I just felt that this year was kind of a weak year for film and performances. There was a lot of really entertaining and good movies, but very few great movies and great performances. Um, so yeah, those are those are my nominees. Did you want to add any flavor to your nominees before we reveal our winners? Yeah, I think um, you know for for those unfamiliar. Um, again, I, I've totally pumped eighth grade's tires on this show numerous times. If you haven't gone to watch that, you should go see it. But uh, Josh Hamilton plays Kayla's dad, Mark. I and, like that pick. That's a good and, pick. And uh, I, I just really like him. He, he actually, as far as I know, doesn't have any other acting credits. Uh, I might have to double-check that on IMDb. But I don't think – if he has any other acting credits, it's certainly not anything I'm aware of uh, or anything anyone else will be aware of. He just plays a really wholesome, good guy. And honestly, his pick for, for a nomination in this category is sort of like uh, – it's sort of like Green Book winning Best Picture. It may not have been the best. Uh, like, it was very good. It may, I'm open to the idea it wasn't the best, but it made me feel all nice inside. It, he was just a really, I don't know, he was a great character, and he had a very good performance in the movie. Um, 
other than that, um, you know, I had Nicholas Holt as Harley. I uh, didn't get any recognition as at the Oscars this year, as young actors typically don't. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought he was really good in this role. He had some great material to work with. He had some great actresses to act alongside. I, I thought he did a really good job. Uh, Mahershala, you basically talked about everything that I wanted to talk about. He's a powerhouse, and he's going to continue to be a powerhouse for years to come. Rami Malek uh, obviously won the Oscar, but who even gives a shit about that when the Sampas are a thing? And then uh, we also had uh, Christian Bale in there. I, I will say I thought Christian Bale sort of was given an impossible task to make Dick Cheney interesting. Yes. Like, it, it definitely ran the risk of being boring at every turn. like And he plays him boring, he does, but he does a really good job of it, I thought. And he has some great material to work with as well, so uh, that's why he made my list on that one. Nice. Uh, just before we reveal our winners, uh, Josh Hamilton has 89 credits. 89, okay, so a couple. But any any that you recognize? Even one? Uh, some TV Outside show, like he was, he's on that 13 Reasons Why show okay. on Netflix. Um, right. He had uh, a role, uh, a small role in Manchester by the Sea, which you and I. Did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, he plays he plays the lawyer. Okay. Uh, Wes's lawyer. Right. Oh, sorry, Joe's lawyer. Um, okay. He, and he did. Uh, he's got lots of TV credits, lots of them actually. Okay. Um, so I guess it was just Elsie Fisher that was really. A, I mean, they're both sort of uh, relative unknowns, but you yeah, know. yeah. Um, um, but her, her more so than him. Yes. So. The 2018 Sampa for best male performance goes to. Yeah, you. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> didn't know if you wanted to go first. Uh, mine's going to Christian Bale. Uh, I, I thought, like I said, he had an impossible task to make Dick Cheney interesting, but uh, yeah, he he pulled it off in the end, in my opinion. Nice. And nice. the other Sampa for best male performance for 2018 goes to. Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born. Yeah, I saw that one coming. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm a big fan of that film. I'm a big fan of that performance. Um, and this is, uh, you know what? I was, I was about to kind of do a little disclaimer, but fuck it. I'm going to take every chance I can to shit all over Bohemian Rhapsody any chance I get. Please do. This is one of the difference between Bradley Cooper and Rami Malek. Bradley Cooper did his own singing. Rami Malek was lip syncing. Okay, but to be to be entirely fair with that, I challenge you to find a single actor in the industry who can sing like Freddie Mercury. Hundred percent. Rami Malek was act was being a real per like he was acting as a person who actually existed, whereas Bradley Cooper didn't have to emulate anyone, right? He could just that's be himself. fine. Joaquin yeah. Phoenix did his own singing and walked the line, and that's very impressive. I'll give him that. Yes. So and Johnny Cash was not nearly as talented a vocalist as Freddie Mercury. One hundred percent. But it's just again, this is just these are some of the things we're talking about. It's the same thing as when, like we talked about in the Oscar retrospective, um, Russell Crowe learned how to play the violin for his role. Yeah. In La La Land, Ryan Gosling learned how to play the piano um, for La La Land. And then uh, I actually just watched an interview. Uh, Ryan Gosling did all the same astronaut training that the astronauts did he did for first man and he was not a fan of it at all <laughs> he hated it yeah. but okay and i'll say this again as somebody who didn't even think Rami Malek's performance was the best of the year anybody can anybody can learn to play violin not everybody can learn to sing like freddie mercury like it and again this isn't me really defending the movie or the performance it's just freddie mercury is that head and shoulders above yes his, vo his, his vocal range is 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 up there like i you could probably even go 
top five all time. I, For I'm, sure. I'm pro- like off the top of my head, probably Whitney Houston might be number one. There's actually, I think, websites with this sort of thing. Uh, I think Axl Rose has uh, Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses has like the biggest range in pop, pop and rock music or something like that. Interesting. And, you know, Freddie Mercury is up there. Anyway. I'm not like I'm not saying like that. That's fine. But I'm talking of the difference. Like Bradley Cooper, part of his performance is he had to sing. Mm-hmm. It's that's yes. uh, that's part of a performance. If this was, uh, it, it's two different mediums. But if this was a play, Remy Malik would have to sing. Yeah. Right. So Bradley Cooper, part of his performance was he he, he played he played somebody and yes it's a fictional character but he had to do his own he well he didn't have to do his own singing but he did yeah and it's part of the performance I love Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born no so, I, I don't disagree with the pick at all it was a very good performance uh, and I I was watching I don't know if you've ever seen uh, like honest trailers on YouTube but they did they just did A Star Is Born I think yesterday and uh, they said they said had some joke about uh, Bradley Cooper going toe to toe with Sam Elliott in a growl off <laughs> well they're both sort of doing this slow sort of growly speech <laughs> it's uh pretty fun I'm not doing it justice there's a there's another uh film with Sam Elliott in it uh where he's a supporting role that uh is high on the guilty pleasure list of mine that I'd be making you watch oh interesting yes well- I'm not Dude, revealing. If I get it. to hear the name, you're not going to reveal no, it. No, no. I'll just Google it. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, so that's it for best male performance of the year. We're now going to move on to best female performance of the year. Manny will lead us off, and thankfully, Frances McDormand is here to help uh, hand out the awards as she won the award, both of our awards last year. Yes, yes. Thank you, Francis. We, um, need, a, we need a soundboard. I know I've said that a million times, but we need one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we crack uh, 100 listeners, and maybe I'll start thinking about uh, a soundboard. Tell your friends, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my nominees this year for Best Female Performance. Emily Blunt, A Quiet Place. Viola Davis, Widows. Elsie Fisher, Eighth Grade. Lady Gaga, A Star is Born, and Rachel Weiss, The Favorite. Can I tell you something? Yes. I know that I'm going to reveal my nominees right after. We have four of five identical, and the one that's not identical is Rachel Weiss, and I have Emma Stone. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> How crazy is that? That is fantastic we are i had i'm surprised when you said emily blunt i was like oh shit me too okay awesome (laughs) and then yeah lady gaga elsie fisher viola davis emma stone holy shit (laughs) oh that is phenomenal uh why don't you do you want to uh, add any sort of uh info to to that list i can i'll just do some quick things on, on each one emily blunt um honestly her performance in a quiet place is astounding um the lack of dialogue just accentuates the in my opinion the power of the acting and of course um the the, the big scene for me is uh the birth scene um, that alone is pretty much what gets her a nomination here. Viola Davis, um, Widows, is a really criminally underseen and underappreciated movie. This is the kind of movie that I'm going to be recommending anybody to watch as soon as it's available anywhere. Um, it is a powerhouse performance, especially on the grief of losing her husband. Elsie Fisher in eighth grade is drop-dead phenomenal. Um, it's, it's such an incredible debut. Um, I was blown away at how well she did. Lady Gaga is on this list, despite my uh, dislike for her. 
Um, and the more that she's done the press tour for this show and everything, um, my hatred for her uh, has diminished in in disgusting amounts. Thank God my friend Katie doesn't listen to this because she would be eating this up right now. Um, she is absolutely amazing in A Star is Born. And Rachel Weiss, who I have just really enjoyed from afar. She is such a great actress. Um, the, my introduction to Rachel Weiss was in The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. Um, she, the Favorite is such a wickedly... I can't even think of the right word. The di- The dialogue in this movie is phenomenal. And Rachel Weiss just uses that dialogue and hits it out of the park. Your replacement for Rachel Weiss is Emma Stone. Those two playing off one another is spectacular. Um, yeah. And anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I, I think you basically touched on everything I wanted to say. Um, Emily Blunt, yeah, the birth scene was uh, easily the highlight of her performance for me. Um, a lot of the time... Uh, also, her stepping on the fucking nail. Her her oh. reaction to her reaction to that moment makes that moment, in my opinion. It's uh, it's it's crazy. There's a lot of great moments in her performance, and it's really difficult. We talked about uh, the difficulties uh, and the things that the people go through when it comes to acting. The things they have to learn. How about learning sign language? That's pretty fucking difficult. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so shout out to her for that. Elsie Fisher. I mean, my love for eighth grade and for Elsie Fisher and for Josh Hamilton. All very well documented. No new surprises there. Um, Lady Gaga, like you said, um, I'll just go ahead and say her best scene was the finale, I think, when she's uh, singing Jackson's song uh, that he wrote. I loved her in that scene, um, and I love that as a conclusion to the movie. Uh, Viola Davis, um, we've talked about her at length. She's one of the best uh, actresses in the industry right now. And uh, she gives just another powerhouse performance. And then uh, Emma Stone, I, I don't know why exactly I had her over Rachel Weisz. Again, that was sort of a coin flip for me. I, I think it could have gone either way. I chose Emma Stone. I, I, I sort of pulled an academy there where I uh, gave sort of a makeup award. And just sort of, I, I really respect uh, Emma Stone's body of work as a whole. I think she's a great actress. I think she's drop-dead gorgeous. Uh, and she does a really, really good job in this movie. But yeah, could have gone to could have gone either way in that one. Awesome. <clears throat> All right, so here we go. I will reveal my winner, and Sam, you'll be happy to hear that my winner is Elsie Fisher for eighth grade. <laughs> I am happy to hear that because my winner is Elsie Fisher for eighth grade. Hey. <laughs> And you knew it. You knew that was going to be my winner. As I well. did know that was going to be your winner. That was an easy prediction for me. Yeah. Um, and, and in all honesty, that's the actually out of all the categories, that's the only one I could predict. Um, yeah. Uh, ex- that was the layup. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Elsie Fisher is so amazing. Um, I'm really excited to see if she has a future in this industry. Um, this performance is just so raw and unfiltered and beautifully done um i'm excited to see what she does moving forward i'm hoping that she has opportunities to do more and i will definitely be looking forward to seeing what she does with those opportunities yeah um one of the things that made me respect this performance even more from her um it's for those of you who haven't seen it's a really shy awkward performance this girl has a lot of uh, social anxiety and she finds herself in a lot of uh, situations that make her nervous um 
especially around boys or when trying to make friends and stuff like that. But what makes me respect this performance even more is seeing her on press tours, where she's a perfectly charming young lady. She's like a very outgoing sort of person. I, I had suspicions that maybe, oh, maybe she's just playing herself, but uh, she really does a great job in this movie, and I think I'm crossing my fingers that we see her uh, in more moving forward, and I hope she... Uh, doesn't pull a Haley Joel Osment and just have one good child actor performance and then fade into the abyss or a handful of uh, good performances. Um, yeah, I really hope uh, we see more of her because she absolutely killed it. And I don't know if I've mentioned this yet, Manny. People should go see Eighth Grade. People <laughs> should watch it. It's on iTunes. Go rent it. Go do whatever. Just watch it. <laughs> yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Please, if you haven't seen Eighth Grade yet, uh, 100%. Rent it. Watch it. Buy it. You won't regret it. It is a spectacular watch. Yeah. Okay. Glad we got that out of the way. All right. The next category is Best Villain. Yes. And, Manny, I know you've been dying to tell this story all episode, and you've been waiting patiently. Uh, would you like to get into this now, or do you want to get into this later? Or How do you want to do this? For those of you not <laughs> or, uh, don't know or haven't heard or anything like that, uh, we touched on it on our one-year anniversary episode, but the highlight of the entire Samuel Emanuel movie podcast is episode five, the first annual Sampo Awards, where we're doing this category. Sam lists off his five nominees for best villain, and I see that he's made a glaring omission of the person that I thought in my mind that he was going to pick as best villain, and I say, you forgot Bats, played by Jamie Foxx in the movie Baby Driver. And Sam's like, God, fuck. So as I'm reading off mine... And this was at the time when Sam and I were in the same city, so we were doing our podcast live, sitting next to one another. I could see him just stewing over his lack of preparation and forgetting <laughs> that Bats was there. And then when we go to reveal our winners, Sam reveals for the first time in Sampa history that somebody not even nominated for the movie, for the award, <laughs> sorry, is going to win. And he announces Bats as the winner. And I lost my mind laughing if you yeah. want to hear me lose my shit laughing listen to episode five the sampas and you will hear me just lose my shit laughing easily you, the highlight of the year for me do you have any idea how many times i went through this category this year yes i know i know for a fact that you combed through your list of movies to yeah. make sure that you had everything I went through every movie that was released this year in all countries. <laughs> I went through the entire body of work uh, in uh, in Earth cinema, and uh, I hope I have not made any glaring omissions this year. I would like to apologize once more to Mr. Jamie Foxx uh, as he walks up on stage uh, to present the nominees. You know what's funny is I, I didn't even get a chance to, uh, to – I don't even remember who I gave Best Villain to last year. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, must have not been that memorable. Uh, I guess we'll have to uh, do like the fans and go back and listen to the previous episodes. Isn't that right? Good call. Good call. Yes. Um, okay, uh, Sam, lead us off. Best villain. Okay, so my nominees for best villain, I'm going to try and go <laughs> in alphabetical order by actor, even though I have not listed them as such. So uh, we have uh, Josh Brolin playing Thanos in Avengers Infinity War. We have... Uh, uh, Topher Grace playing David Duke in Black Klansman. We have Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger in uh, Black Panther. We have uh, Daniel Kaluuya as Jatem Manning in Widows. 
And then we have uh, Emma Stone as Abigail in The Favorite. Um, as far as reasoning for any of those, I mean, we've already touched on uh, Emma Stone a little bit, but uh, not really what makes her a villain. I, again, I, I do like to bend the rules on occasion here, but I don't think her being included in this category is really uh, bending the rules. I think that's... Uh, I think that she like, really becomes a sadistic bitch towards the end of this movie and uh, becomes sort of the main antagonist to the queen. Um, as far as Daniel Kaluuya goes for uh, his portrayal of Jatem Manning and Wid Widows, for anyone who hasn't seen Widows, by the way, that's another one you should definitely go check out if you haven't already. He plays a real sadistic bastard. There's a, a scene where he's he gets people to rap for him. And uh, I won't spoil the ending of that scene, but shit goes down in that one, and that's like easily the highlight of uh, of his performance. Maybe one of the highlights of the movie for me. Um, we had uh, Topher Grace's David Duke. Um, this one is definitely a Homer pick. The, I I even debated putting him in. I was like, how is he really like top five? Honestly, I just love Topher Grace. I love that '70s show, and seeing him as this white supremacist just made me giggle. So you know. Kind of a homer pick, but I stand by it nonetheless. Uh, and then we get into our supervillains. So we have uh, Josh Brolin as Thanos. Um, uh, iconic lines already, iconic moments, uh, really great performance. Um, again, I'm not necessarily just going by performances in this. It's really just the characters, yep. and the character of yep. Thanos is quite good. Um, what I like about him is that he's a character that you can see his point of view and you can empathize with him. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the same with uh, the last nominee in the category, which is uh, Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger. Um, you don't necessarily agree with his tactics or his methods uh, or what he's doing, but you can definitely see why he believes the thing that's, things that he believes. And that always uh, is a sign of a very strong villain. And I think that's true for uh, just about uh, all the villains in this category. So yeah, that's uh, those are my nominees. Fair enough. <clears throat> my uh, my nominees, one of them is a little... A little bit of a spoiler, but Ooh. not, but not really. Like I'm pretty sure people, it's it it's it's not, but it is, but whatever. So, but unfortunately, I'm gonna gonna kind of spoil the movie, so whatever. Um, so first up, we have, uh, and I'll be doing the same thing. Uh, I'll be doing mine by the last name of the actor. Um, so we have Thanos, played by Josh Brolin, uh, Avengers: Infinity War. Uh, we have August Walker, played by Henry Cavill in Mission Impossible Fallout. That's a spoiler one, um, but if you've seen most of the trailers, it's pretty obvious that he's... I have. Yeah. Um, we have Daniel Kaluuya uh, as Jateme Manning, or Jateme, I don't even... I, I have no, I, I went with Jatem. I went with the thing closest to French, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever. No, I... <laughs> uh, Daniel Kaluuya in Widows, uh, Killmonger, Michael B. Jordan, Black Panther... And the ghost bear from Annihilation. Ooh, nice pick. Thank nice. you. I, I definitely wouldn't have thought of that, but okay, I, I can I can live with that pick. Yeah, for sure. he's not the ghost bear. Isn't the villain, but he's a villain. But he's a villain. He's a villain. Um, I I'll allow it. Thank you. Um, this was this category was actually hard for me to find five. Um, yeah. And it's mostly because I, I think like. Obviously, the top two for me were, were pretty easy to pick, um, but you you touched on everything. I put the ghost bear in here from Anil, uh, from Annihilation because that scene is absolutely breathtaking um, and terrifying. 
Um, but you touched on uh, the other three, so I, I guess I'll just talk about Henry Cavill. Um, he's a great presence uh, in Mission Impossible. In Mission Impossible. <laughs> Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, he's he's just really good. He's really climbing the charts of actors I enjoy seeing on screen. Um, while I have kind of bitched and moan about his Superman stuff, um, I like him as Superman. I just think that the, they're doing the character wrong. Um, but he is incredibly charming and fun to watch in The Man from Uncle. Um, but here in Mission Impossible Fallout, this is just an absolute home run um, as August Walker. So, Sam, 2018 Sampa for best villain goes to... It's an easy one. It's uh, it's Thanos. Thanos is my favorite villain of the year. He, I think, will go down in history as one of the great villains. And again, he's a villain who doesn't think that he's a villain. He's a villain who thinks he's doing what's right for the entire universe. He has just a number of great scenes and great moments. Um, he is a worthy adversary uh, for everyone. Nothing makes a movie weaker than a weak villain. If you want to make your movie have stakes and make it interesting, you make your villain the most big, badass, powerful motherfucker in the entire universe, and that's what the Avengers did. Uh, if you've seen the Avengers, or, I mean, how could you have not <laughs> made $2 billion, to reiterate? But at the ending, I guess we're probably... Oh, we spoiled it in the last one, too, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, yeah. If you haven't seen we're the spoil- Avengers... We're spoiling it. Heads up, we're spoiling Spo- Avengers spoiling Infinity Avengers War right, right now. Real quick, yeah. But... At the snap, when, when shit happens at the end, when everyone dies, when half of all of the universe dies, uh, that's it's a logical conclusion. Because for the whole movie, I was just thinking to myself, like, okay, they made their villain too powerful. They're not going to be able to stop him. And then the movie has the balls to not stop him. I fucking loved that. That's uh, a, something that big blockbusters are just not doing enough of. Uh, yeah, I it made a really ballsy decision with Thanos. And, uh, yeah, performance is great. Uh, the motivation is great. Uh, the look of Thanos is awesome. His powers are sweet. He just has, like, everything going for him. I loved Thanos. Nice. And your pick for uh, Sampa for uh, top villain of 2018 was? Thanos. Oh, a double win. <laughs> Another <laughs> double win. Yeah. Um, yeah, for I really can't even add more. You hit everything. He is fantastic. He is going to go down as one of the great villains um, in obviously in Marvel history, but I think he's going to continue to go down in, cinem- in cinematic history as one of the great villains of all time. Um, and it is because you can relate to him. You understand. You may not agree with what he's doing, but you can understand why he's doing it. And yeah. that is part of the things that makes a, a really good villain. And I'm uh, I'm just a big fan. Josh Brolin is just fantastic as Thanos. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't really have much more to add. I'd just be repeating what you said. So Thanos double winner for you and I, best film 2018. Okay. Well, with that out of the way, let's get to another really fun category. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. That's the best action scene of the year. Um, I will add that I did grand total of probably about three to four hours of prep for this show and a good two to three hours of that was spent on this category so uh yeah there was a lot to sift through and a lot of a lot of time spent on youtube so yeah manny what are your nominees for the best action scene of 2018 
I'm with you. This was this was a fun one to try and break down. I had numerous scenes on here, and I won't lie, I was tempted to go best action scene, Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah, just the movie. <laughs> it's fine. I I have the same note, but about Avengers: Infinity War. <laughs> yeah. Um. So my five nominees for best action scene are the massacre in Twenty Two July. The ghost bear scene in Annihilation. The bathroom fight scene in Mission Impossible Fallout. The helicopter chase scene in Mission Impossible Fallout. And the first challenge race in Ready Player One. Ooh, interesting. I think I haven't seen two movies on that list. Ready Player One, and what was the first one you said? 22 July. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah. (laughs) Um... The Massacre in 22 July um, is filmed really well. The reason it's on my list, um, it's difficult to sit through and watch because it really happened. Uh, 22 July is based on the massacre in, I believe it was Norway, um, where a man got onto an island with a youth retreat and killed 50 kids. Uh, right, I have I have actually heard of this movie now that you're now that you're mentioning it's it. It's on Netflix. It's definitely yeah. worth a watch. Um, this scene is harrowing. Um, it's filmed really well. Uh, the director is Paul Greengrass, who did uh, United ninety three and I think the first two Bourne movies. Um, the man knows how to ratchet up the tension, and knowing that this is what really happened uh, made it an uncomfortable sit through, but. The visceral reaction I had to the scene is the reason that it's on here. The ghost bear scene in Annihilation is one of the scariest scenes I've seen in a long time. Um, it's incredible. It's fucked. It, it is fucked up. It's really, really fucked up. Uh, I won't break it down much more than that because I don't really want to spoil it. Um, but it, it's an incredible scene. The bathroom fight scene in Mission Impossible Fallout... Um, there's so much in that scene to really break down and go into. It is incredible action, incredible fight choreography, and there's numerous humorous moments throughout it. Um, it's just a tour de force fight scene. The helicopter chase scene in Mission Impossible Fallout, like I said, I wanted to nominate the whole movie, and I nominated Tom Cruise for best performance, best male performance, because the man learned how to fly a helicopter. So he could do his own helicopter flying in this scene. Are you listening, Rami Malik? Yes. Are you listening, <laughs> fuckface? Um, <laughs> fuckface. Fuckface. Um, but besides that, it's there's also, and I'm not spoiling anything. Like he's climbing this rope outside of a helicopter, and he's doing it for real. Of course, there's obviously safety precautions, but all that. It's it's just an incredibly great scene. And then the last one is the first challenge race in Ready Player One, which, granted, is fully digital and all that, but it, it so much goes on, and the, the main character is driving the DeLorean. So how could I not have it listed as best action scene? Those are my nominees for best action scene. Sam, I'm excited to hear your nominees. Yeah, um, listening to yours, uh, when we had uh, Best Female Performance, uh, we had four that overlapped. This one, I think we only have the one. 
so uh, the one that overlaps, of course, is uh, the ghost bear scene from Annihilation, which we already said is fucking awesome. Yep. Um, I'm surprised you didn't have any Avengers Infinity War on your list, because I thought there were a number of scenes that could have made this list for me. I decided to only go with one uh, from that movie, and that was the Battle of Wakanda, uh, right up to the snap. Um, there is Jack-Jack versus the Raccoon oh. in Incredibles 2. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which I thought was a good one. Uh, we have the X-Force scene in Deadpool 2. Okay. And... And we have the opening heist in Widows. Oh! <laughs> well done, sir. Well I am done. very proud of those nominees. I thought that was a, that was a good little list right there. Like I said, spent a long fucking time on those. <laughs> All right. uh, just, just briefly, I guess. Um, Widows, we talked a little bit last week. Uh, I don't know if we really touched on the opening heist, but it's intercut with scenes uh, from the robbers' everyday lives with, uh, with their spouses. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, it's a it's a really uh, tragic uh, scene. I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler because it happens right at the beginning of the movie. But the heist goes terribly wrong and they all die. Um, so when you've intercut this really exciting and well choreographed and well shot heist scene uh, with uh, shots of their everyday life, I, I liked the effectiveness of that. Um, the ghost bear scene in Annihilation, man, you already touched on. Uh, again, I won't really spoil anything that happens but truly terrifying and fucked up moment. Um, and they do a great job of building the anticipation in that scene, um, which I really like. Uh, Infinity War, the Battle of Wakanda, right up to the snap. Um, yeah, like I said when I was talking about Thanos, the snap is going to be an iconic moment for years to come. The Battle of Wakanda leading up to that is a really exciting battle with a lot of great moments. You know, when, when Thor shows up, uh, one of my favorite lines in the entire movie is... Groot saying I am Groot to Steve Rogers and Steve Rogers saying I am Steve Rogers I, that's just one of my favorite moments of the entire movie uh, Jack Jack versus the raccoon uh, is such a fun cute little fight scene it's oh. almost like Pixar tricked their animators to, into having one of their world famous shorts like inserted into the movie uh, it's it's just a it doesn't really do anything to advance the plot it's just it's a really fun break for like five minutes and uh it's a well choreographed and well thought out scene um and then i had the x-force scene from deadpool 2 uh and that that scene was a lot of fun as well um it definitely goes awry for those of you who have seen uh deadpool 2 uh the the scene was really hyped up in the trailers and then really not a lot came of it but I loved uh, the the comedy in that scene. It was really good, especially uh, the domino sequence, the sequence of uh, him telling her uh, over a mic, hey, luck isn't a superpower. It's not very cinematic. And meanwhile, we're watching her do all this cinematic shit because of how lucky she is. Um, yeah, I, I was really happy with uh, a lot of those action scenes, a lot of good ones this year. Nice. Well done. <clears throat> all right. The 2018 Sampa for best action scene goes to the bathroom fight scene from Mission Impossible Fallout. Which, again, I haven't actually seen. I apologize. But I'm sure it's lovely because Mr. Tom Cruise is a fucking god. Yes. At least at least if you ask the Church of Scientology. Yes. he. It, it, is, it is such an amazing fight scene. Um, it is such an amazing choreographed scene. Like I said, there's some humor in it. There's some amazing action, some amazing stunt work. Um, it's just a, an absolutely fun time the whole movie is fun but this is the highlight of the movie for me um yeah and there's it's in the trailer um 
Henry Cavill loads up his arms. It's it's fucking it's it's this weird little movie does, which I could show to Sam, but the everyone he, he just goes like this, like he loads them up. It's fucking <laughs> weird, and but okay. it looks it fucking it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I can't even explain what you just did on. Uh, I, I know you can't. It's, <laughs> he just kind of like it's almost like he just kind of shakes his arms, but yeah. if you see it in the trailer. It Almost sort of like a pump fake, I guess, is sort of what it looks kind like. Kind of. It's yeah. just, it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And, but like I said, this fight scene is just jaw-droppingly good. Um, so that's that's my winner. Sam. Okay. So my pick for the uh, 2018 Sampa for best action scene is going to go to, you know what? I have it uh, picked as one, but I'm going to make a game-time decision and switch it up. The ghost bear scene in Annihilation is so fucking good. The ghost bear scene is so good. It's really just, uh, again, I I hate to even just rant and just say it's so good over and over again because I can't really explain what happens in it because I just want you to go watch the movie Annihilation. But fuck yeah, the ghost bear. The ghost bear, man. And for those of you that don't know, Annihilation is on Netflix at this moment. It is on Netflix. Maybe you should go watch that right after you're done listening to this podcast and then watching 8th grade. 100%. Uh, yeah, that's a that's an excellent choice. It is oh, it's just such a great scene. And yeah, I would really like to dive into it, but that it's it kind of gets into spoiler territory. Um, and there's a pretty good chance that we'll be breaking down Annihilation in an episode very soon. I will say the one that was going to win was the snap, just because I I can't remember the last time I was in the theater that blown away by a moment. Mm-hmm. But I, I think. The battle itself maybe is a little bit weaker. It's really the snap uh, that that does it for me. Even even though the Battle of Wakanda is good, uh, the snap I think is what does it. So for that reason, I uh, decided to make a game time decision, switch it up to the Ghost Bear scene in Annihilation. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like. I like. I still like that pick. It's a great pick. Yeah. All right. We're getting down the nitty gritty. Our last two awards of the night. Sam. Your worst film of 2018. I don't so, know, do you even do you have nominees? I don't have nominees. Did you choose nominees for this one? I don't. I actually I dodged a lot of really bad movies. Um, yeah, at, me too. As our listeners know, I only rate our movies out of five. Yeah, no half this, points. And this was the only. That's right, no half points. This was the only movie I saw this year that got a failing grade. Everything else I watched this year was three or higher. Wow, this is the exciting. only one to not get a three. This got a two, by the way, for those that are interested. Okay. So my my winner of worst film is the only failing grade movie I saw this year. Sam. Yes. Who's up first? Me? You? I think it's me. You. You. Okay. I mean, yeah. So no nominees. You just have a I worst have film. One. I yeah, would so love to hear what it is. There were some bad movies that I watched this year. Some that I certainly thought weren't like we already touched on solo solo was i think a bad movie with some definite upside and and some promise and some good moments and there were a number of other movies that i saw in theaters that you know i wasn't totally happy with but definitely uh didn't exactly hate um the one movie that head and shoulders above the rest was the least pleasant experience i've had in a theater in recent memory was the crimes of grindelwald that's a fantastic piece too uh, this movie, it almost made my most disappointing, but I don't have the love and respect for the Fantastic Beasts franchise and really the Harry Potter franchise as a whole that I do for Star Wars. Sorry, Jordan, if you're listening. Um, yeah, 
but this movie just was all sorts of wrong. It's uh, it couldn't get a damn thing right. You occasionally find yourself in the middle of a scene, just going, "Wait, how did we get here?" The editing's all over the place. It seems like there's a number of scenes that it almost just seems like an an executive went, "Hey, you know what would be really funny to have Newt do," and then they have to shoot some other scene and find a way to insert it into the movie and into the plot. Um, Johnny Depp is in this movie. That's about it. <laughs> like that's that's about all I can say about him. He's just in it. He doesn't really. He just is Johnny Depp now. I guess he doesn't really play any characters. You know, he, he's there. It's whatever. Um, a lot of the shit doesn't make sense. I know Jordan will yell at me if I don't say uh, that this movie breaks some rules of the Harry Potter universe. There's shit that doesn't make sense uh, either. Uh, there's a couple of things. If you do want to watch The Crimes of Grindelwald, I won't spoil it, but there's some familial ties that are revealed at the end of the movie to, to set up the next movie in the franchise. That actually don't make sense with what J.K. Rowling's written before. Um, there's some things about how certain spells work that are actually, you know, discounted or just completely ignored. Um, I don't get how this movie was so bad. It had the same people at the helm. It had all the ingredients that all the other movies had. And it just wasn't good. It just flat out was not good. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's that's about all I have to say about that. You, I guess, I mean, you haven't seen any of the Harry Potter movies, so I would imagine that you ha- did not see this movie this year. Sure did. Yeah, and uh, nor should you, because it was really bad. And uh, I didn't actually, I, I started rating my movies out of five uh, at the beginning of the year and sort of got sloppy towards the end. Uh, but this movie would have gotten a failing grade for me. It I think giving it a two would be generous. Wow. If I was, I was if I was feeling very generous, I would give it a two, and it might not make that. Wow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> My oh, hold on, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me quick. I want to quickly look something up here, as I'm. Shit. Da, 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 da. Where is it? 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 Here we, it need, is. we need Jeopardy music. I know, right? Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. Oh, damn you. So my worst film of the year is actually on uh, yeah on both past guests Adam and Rachel's top ten of the year. Uh, do I know what it is? Maybe you can take a guess if you'd like. Is it Bohemian Rhapsody? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody got a passing grade for me. Okay. And I- I'll explain why. As much as I shit on that movie, like I've said before, the last 20 minutes make that movie worthwhile. And while I shit on Remy Malek's performance, it's not a bad performance. I just don't think it's the best performance of the year. That's my problem with it. Right. I think okay. he's good, but I don't think he's the best of the year. That's okay. where my problem is. The movie itself is ent- – the movie Bohemian Rhapsody is entertaining. I, I, I understand why people – like Bohemian, and this is so shitty me to say. I understand why people like Bohemian Rhapsody. The critic score that it got, which is, I think you said is 49, makes sense yeah. to me. The yeah. movie has numerous problems, so I understand why critics don't like it. What I don't get is how fucking the Academy liked it and got the nominations. That's beside the point. Yes. Bohemian Rhapsody is entertaining. It's definitely worth watching. But my worst film of the movie, worst, worst film of 2018, I oh, was... Oh, it's late. Huh? <laughs> I said, oh, it's late. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I I had I did not want to go. 
I was forced to go by two of my friends, my two movie-watching buddies. And this, like I said, it's in Adam's top ten. It was his number ten, and it was Rachel's number six. And that's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Oh, yeah. I didn't bother seeing this movie because I really did not like the first one. But, yeah. yeah. Please please go on, Manny. Yeah. I'm interested to hear this rant. Yeah. This movie sucked my balls. <laughs> this movie was fucking hard to watch. And this has Chris Pratt in it, who is charming, who should be playing Indiana Jones. Um... This movie's not good. And in fact, this movie's so bad, I can't even give you distinct reasons why I didn't like it because I've erased it from my memory. There are numerous bad moments. I remember just rolling my eyes. Again, once again, they just genetically modify a dinosaur to make it a super dinosaur. I'm like, oh, when did I see this before? Oh, the last Jurassic World movie. But if you recall, it worked out really well for them in the first one, so it makes sense that they would do it again, right? It's just fucking horrible. It's horrible. This movie is fucking horrible. And I know they're making another one, and I'm sure that fucking T-Bone and Mushhead are going to make me go see it because I make (laughs) them go see the other movies, and it's how I repay my friends. But at least generally speaking... I take them to good movies while they <laughs> make me go see this fucking horse shit. <sighs> Careful, your elitist is showing. I it it, it totally is, and I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I, I I don't think you're an elitist for thinking that a Jurassic World movie is bad. Let it, me it let was, me clarify that. It was fucking bad. It was fucking bad. Um, uh, side note: Did we have uh, presenters for this award as well? Uh, both Ellen Page and uh, Emma Watson. <laughs> yes. yes. Nice. Uh, last year, uh, last year, Flatliners won my worst picture, and uh, Beauty and the Beast won Manny's. Yes. Yes, yeah, so I didn't mean to interrupt your rant on That's Jurassic. Okay. World. I'm good. I don't want to talk about it. Fuck that movie. Fucking shit. <laughs> okay, now you can permanently erase it from your memory. Yes. That's the only upside. It here. is now gone. Um, so that leads us to our last category, which is favorite film of the year. Now, for loyal listeners who listened to last week's episode when we revealed our top 10, this is basically the same thing. We're not going to talk, we're not going to nominate films. Sam and I are both just going to reveal what our favorite film of the year was, talk about it a little bit. If you're more interested in hearing why we liked uh, this movie for the best one, then please listen to our previous episode where we break down the top 10 of 2018. Um, So... Since I'm talking, I'll just go first. Just go for it. Just go. Uh, Manny's favorite film of 2018 is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It is literally like watching a comic book come to life. There are so many little touches. There are so many little things that just pay homage, uh, homage to comic book fans. And this was... Um, I'm pretty sure... I, I know that they filmed a bunch of Stan Lee cameos... Um, but this was the first film with Stan Lee in it after uh, he passed. And it, I won't lie, it was, it was really hard um, to see him up on the screen. Even though he was animated, uh, it hit really close to home. But this movie is just a fucking comic book fan's delight. Um, the, it's such a great take on the character. There's so many great things going on. There's so many little background jokes that if you're not paying attention to, you'll miss. The movie is just, and the animation is unlike anything you've ever seen. 
this rightfully won Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards, and it was my number one movie of the year. Yeah, and my favorite movie of the year, uh, as I've alluded to a couple of times in this podcast, was Eighth Grade. Uh, For those uninitiated, it's written and directed by a really funny comedian named Bo Burnham, who I've loved for years. Uh, And it's about uh, a girl named Kayla just trying to maneuver her way through eighth grade, uh, trying to, you know, live life as a middle schooler in the age of social media and uh, trying to navigate uh, friends and boys and school. And it's just a really touching story and a really good performance by a first-time actress, Elsie Fisher. As I talked about, Josh Hamilton, who plays her dad, is like the nicest fucking guy of all time. Uh, This had just a number of really, really good scenes in it. Um, There's, I'm not going to get into spoilers here, but the truth or dare scene is maybe one of the most just actively... I was just holding my breath through that entire scene. This movie actually plays like a horror movie a lot of the time. There's a lot of cinematic techniques in this movie that are reminiscent of the horror genre because this girl, Kayla, has a really bad social anxiety. And, uh, yeah, it's... It's uh, I'm going to stop talking about this movie because we did a full episode on it. Actually, I I don't have the number handy currently, Um, but we talked about it last week. We did a full episode on eighth grade. This is the type of movie that if you're a film fan, which you must be because you're listening to us snobs talk. um, If you're a film fan, you should be paying to go see this movie either in theaters or on iTunes because this movie needs and deserves your support. If you don't pay to go see movies like this, they don't get made. Uh, So I really encourage people to pay physical money to go see this movie. At the very least, you know, I, I would be a hypocrite if I told you to not pirate things because, you know, I'm poor and I do that from time to time. Uh, but nonetheless, I would, if you are going to pay to go see a movie, I would encourage it. I would encourage you to go see, uh, eighth grade. If it's, I can't imagine it's still doing a theatrical run. So you're probably going to have to, uh, go see this, uh, on iTunes, uh, or I'm sure it's on, might be on Hulu now that I think about it as well. I don't know. Just Google how to watch eighth grade and then do it or just watch it on iTunes. So yeah, that's, that's end of rant right there. Yeah. For those of you interested in listening to 8th Grade, it is episode 37 uh, where we do break it down. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I concur. This is the kind of movie that you guys – for us, uh, a cinema fan, this is – 8th Grade is a great pick to watch. It, it's an excellent choice for number one. Um, so that wraps up the Sampas for this year. Uh, I didn't we, forget anyone. I know. Nice. Well done. <laughs> well done. Actually, you know what's funny is I thought you were purposely going to le- – pick a best villain winner out of somebody that you hadn't nominated i'm, I'm not gonna lie to you i nearly forgot elsie fisher for best actress <laughs> <laughs> i would have fucking ugh, i would have had to crawl into a hole and never come out oh and that would have been i don't think i would have ever let you live that one down no the, the bats one is bad enough but elsie fisher would have been unforgivable that's right um so please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating and a positive review, it will help increase our profile so we can get more listeners. Please remember to follow us on Instagram and uh, Twitter at Sam <laughs> underscore Manny underscore movie. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook uh, at the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. You can email us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. And next week sam what do we have lined up for next week do you remember 
flip to the correct page because I'm one of like two people my age who actually owns a physical calendar these days. Uh, next week is oh, we're talking about our uh, favorite rom coms because we did our top five uh, rom coms. Manny and I are going to do a double feature next week. We're going to do uh, full in depth reviews of the movies that topped both of our lists. So for Manny, that was When Harry Met Sally, uh, one that I actually haven't seen. And then I sort of cheated. I went with a bromantic comedy, and I chose I Love You, Man, which yes. is a uh, which is a very, very good one. So we're going to be reviewing both of those movies in depth next week. Excellent. So that's what we have lined up for next week. Uh, Sam, anything else you want to say before we sign off? I think that's great. I'm happy with uh, this award ceremony, even if it didn't have a host, and even if we didn't have a best popular film category. And even if it was only an hour and a half long, still thought it was pretty neat. Yeah, it was well done. Let's do it again next year. Sounds great. So for the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.